Hey everyone, this week on the Food About Town podcast, I talked to Jason Barrett from Black Button Distilling. We talked a little about how the construction's going on their new facility over near the public market, uh, what their plans are, what their products are looking like, and a little bit about his background. I hope you guys enjoy this week's podcast, and if you do, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. We are just getting started here at the Food About Town podcast, so any support would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, and uh, have a great week. Hey everyone, I'm here at Black Button Distilling over uh, near the public market, and I'm here with... Jason Barrett. Jason Barrett, who is the owner? And head distiller. Owner, head distiller, and pretty much master of the whole domain over here. Yep, also chief dishwasher. Ah, chief dishwasher. <laughs> well, not quite yet, but soon. Yes. Painter, I guess, right now is yes. uh, my actual title. <laughs> Painter and master constructor. Yes. Um, so... First, I love the location choice for the distillery right next to, you know, one of Rochester's best breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you guys end up getting this place? So I'm originally from Rochester, and when I wanted to open my own distillery, I decided I wanted to do it back near family and, and near the hometown that I loved. When I was looking around Rochester for locations, being right next to the public market I thought was really key. You know, we get a ton of traffic on Saturdays and on the other market days. And it's, it's the right kind of environment that we want to be in. You know, all the people that are interested in local food are coming to the, the public market anyway. So we'd actually found a space across the street. Uh, we were talking to that landlord. And we ended up meeting Rohrbox uh, through some mutual friends and just saying, you know, we're going to be neighbors. There's similar types of businesses. You know, let's, uh, let's just sit down and get to know each other. Well, then uh, as they were taking me around the building, they ended up having this storage room. And the owner of the brewery sort of said, you know, it's too bad you guys can't be right here. It's a beautiful space. We've got this beautiful building. And one thing led to another, and a few months later, we were signing a lease here instead. So Yeah, it makes so much sense. I mean, stylistically, mm-hmm. and the building really is beautiful, and it was kind of kind of wasted for a long time as like a flea market. Yes, it was a flea market for a while. It was an auto parts warehouse at one time. Um, I mean, it's been around for about 100 years. It's just this beautiful, old you know, post and beam construction, great brick facade. Uh, needed a lot of work done to it, but luckily we're not afraid of hard work. So yeah, and you can really see. I mean, I'm looking straight up right now at you know you got some of the paint off, and the wood is phenomenal oh, yeah. color wise. It looks just it's that reclaimed feel that everybody's dying to get with the actual reclaimed stuff without actually reconstructing anything. It's it really looks fantastic. Yeah, we're very happy with it. It's been. It's been quite a challenge the last couple of months to get it all ready to go, but we're really excited that this is going to be our home. So I was reading some of the tweets and uh, Facebook about you guys over at the PGA Championship over at Oak Hill. Yep. How did that end up going? I mean, it's a great audience for your kind of product. Uh, So the New York State was nice enough to put together a Taste of New York tent. Uh, the Craft Distillers Guild here in New York State got a table, and they therefore rotated different distilleries in and out throughout the week. Uh, the shifts that we got uh, were pretty busy. Uh, we had a lot of people coming through the tent, and we were actually pouring straight shots of gin from a friend of mine's distillery down in New York City. And 
I sort of thought that 7.30 in the morning was a little early for shots of gin. I would think so, too. The golfers didn't seem to mind at all. <laughs> so uh, we, were luck- I mean, we luckily had some great product to share uh, from one of our friends down at Greenhook Ginsmiths. Um, we obviously don't have any of our own product just yet, so that's why he was nice enough to lend us a few bottles. But it was great. We got his name out there. We got our name out there. And mostly we're just letting people know that craft spirits exist. You know, People have heard about craft beer, but... I mean, the number of people that have said, you know, you can make whiskey. Really? Yeah, it seems like one of those mystical prod, you know, products that nobody really knows how it's made. Right. And that's actually one of our goals as a company is to try to demystify that a little bit. And we want people to come in, take a tour, do a tasting, see what goes into the product and the process and how we make what we make. And hopefully learn a little bit more about the alcohol they're drinking. Yeah. Well, and... You know, I one of the reasons I got interested in you guys was the kind of the local aspect of it. You know, not necessarily just Rochester, but New York State farmed products mm-hmm. being the base of your spirits. Was that a goal right away to keep it, I, I guess to say, local? It's sort of interesting how that came about. Um, so we're a New York State farm distillery by license, which requires us to use New York State grown grains. But as I got further into the research, it turns out we actually get some of the best quality grains for distilling right here in Western New York. We've got a family farm down on uh, the west side of Canisius Lake that's been willing to grow some heritage variety corn for us. It'll produce a much more flavorful and robust whiskey Hmm. than if we were to just get feed corn out of the Midwest. Sure. We're talking to a guy out in Brockport about blue corn. For maybe a year or two doing blue corn whiskey or doing a, um, a rye or a trick to Cali kind of whiskey. So we've, it's sort of funny that it, it started out as a requirement, but then really turned into a blessing of sorts. Because it turns out we actually grow all the right kind of things here in western New York. Yeah, I mean, New York State's an amazing agricultural state. Yep. Especially for the products we're looking for. I mean, corn's one of our, we're a huge corn state. People right. forget that New York is, you know, one of the best you know, one of the best ag states in the country. We're comparable yes. to Wisconsin and the, you know, the other craft ag states. It's... Yes. Well, and we've got, I mean, we've got hops that are coming back. We've got a lot of, you know, not all of the right kinds of, you know, fruits, but, you know, there's good cherries, there's good apples. There's, I mean, there's a lot, obviously grapes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge brandy guy myself, but we've had a whole bunch of wineries approach us about making brandy out of their products. And, when we get up and running, I'm not going to tell them no, but <laughs> uh, we'll just have, you know, a lot of it, you know, a lot of it you can do here at the still in how you make the product, but a lot of it, good whiskey is grown with good ingredients and the better stuff we can put into our whiskey, the better it'll be when it comes off the still. Yeah. So, uh, switching gears a little bit, what were you doing before you started, you know, black button distilling, you know? Uh, I had sort of a an interesting job history. Um, I went to SUNY Cortland, got a political science degree, moved to Washington, D.C. to change Congress. Quickly, How'd that go? I found out I couldn't. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I, uh, I sold my soul to the government for six months and mm-hmm. found out even that wasn't good enough. Uh, but after about six months, I was very um, unimpressed at how laws are made in this country, so I gave up on politics. I actually went into sales. Mm-hmm. So I was still selling my soul, but that's okay. I <laughs> uh, bounced around between a couple of different companies and actually ended up working for Paychex for a okay. number of years. I had a very good career with them. And I was really getting to a um, sort of a turning point in my life. 
Um, corporate America is great, but I was really struggling with working behind a desk every day. I wanted to be out working with small companies, you know, interacting with people. It just, the cube life wasn't quite for me. So uh, after three years at Paychex, I gave my notice. Um, this had been a hobby throughout most of that time. You know, craft brewing and craft distilling had been a hobby of mine actually for about seven years before that. And um, last June, I quit my job and decided to do this full time. So, although it was really two years in the making. So, well, I think every every time somebody does that, there has to be a plan before you do it. Oh, there should be. You yeah. should not quit your job and then figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be you don't want to be that guy trying to find a building with no income and it's. Yeah, this is a much more sane route, which I appreciate. Yes. Um, so what is, what, I guess, what's your drinking history? I've always found it interesting to see how people got interested in, you know, high-end spirits. So how did you go from probably the typical college drinking to moving on and finding you know, the craft side of things? Well, I actually have to thank the uh, the house parties at my college because they served absolutely awful beer. <laughs> and because the beer was so awful, uh, it motivated me to try to make my own, which actually I did my junior year of college on the sixth floor of a dorm. Uh, we started brewing beer in the dorm. Not quite the perfect location, but you know. Oh, it was terrible. We were using <laughs> the water from the shower. I mean, it was just god. I'm actually really impressed nobody got sick um, <laughs> because the product was awful. But... Um, but that got me really into craft beer. As I moved around the country with those sales jobs I was talking about earlier, I got even more invested in craft beer. And then when it became time to, uh, to start my own company, when I decided I wanted to start my own company, it originally started off, it was going to be a craft brewery. And when I sat down and sort of went through the list of what did I want out of a company, what did I want to bring to people, craft distilling was actually a more natural fit. And it's just becoming part of the marketplace and there's still so much more invention and experimentation that's possible here the combinations between changes in barrels and changes in mash bill and changes in proof temp or the proof of what stuff comes off the still at can give you entirely different tastes and there's been a lot of innovation with the craft brewing over the last you know 20 years but craft distilling is just getting started and as a fairly young guy, that meant I had a I could be much a much louder voice in the industry if I chose distilling over brewing. And I love both weir, beer and whiskey, so yeah, it was a pretty easy jump. Yeah, on that page, it's not only in Rochester. I mean, you're the first one in Rochester, but it's also it's a small industry nationwide still at this point. It's only the last few years when it started to get big nationwide. Yeah, there's only about 300 craft distilleries across the country. Uh, we all get together for a big annual conference every April. And so what's also interesting is it's a small enough industry that most of us know each other. You know, so when, and people are always asking me about what do I think about this competitor or that competitor. And I'm like, to be honest, they're not competitors. Many of them are my friends. You know, when I was struggling with some of the equipment design, because all our equipment had to be custom built, I called friends of mine in California and Denver and Virginia and got their opinion. And what was also very interesting is that they had very different opinions. Of course. But they were happy to take a half hour out of their day to walk me through the piece I was trying to figure out. And I would return the same. I had a, a guy up here from Texas two weeks ago, and we talked till 4 o'clock in the morning about his distillery. Not 
because it was any, you know, not because there was any cash in it for me, but because I want to see him succeed. And I know that if I needed anything, he'd be right there for me as well. So it's a very collaborative industry. And that, that's another thing that's just really made it great opening up a distillery. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the uh, craft coffee industry at the same time. You know, there you'd think when, you know, there's one game in town for super high-end craft coffee, one comes in, they're going to be, you know, competitors in this. But, you know, what happened recently here with uh, Fuego Coffee opening recently, and we had Joe Bean already. And But they, it seems like they're collaborating, and mm-hmm. everybody's happy to see the concept and see people embracing that style of coffee. And I imagine it's very similar. So people embracing that quality and embracing the craftsmanship of making high-end spirits. Definitely. Well, and also our products are all very, very different. I mean, so, okay, we're going to make unaged corn whiskey and a citrus forward gin and wheat vodka, but there's guys in Syracuse making apple vodka. To many people, vodka is just vodka, but to craft bartenders and spirit aficionados, wheat vodka and apple vodka could are basically two totally different spirits. So we're not competitors. They barely sell in Rochester. It'll be a long time before we get any bottles on the shelf in Syracuse. Sure. And I don't, if anything, by helping each other out, we're going to, you know, it's one of those rising tides raise all boats kind of thing. The yeah, industry, I completely agree. Yeah. The industry has really taken that idea and run with it. And it's just been fantastic. So, you know, you mentioned a couple of your products. What, what are the products you're intending selling on, you know, at your launch time? So on day one, we'll have a wheat-based vodka, a citrus-forward gin, and an unaged corn whiskey, which is better known as moonshine. So, so citrus-forward gin, I saw that, and it jumped out at me right away. That's not the traditional by any means. Correct. So typically, a gin will end up... So gin is a juniper-flavored spirit, and juniper is usually the predominant note in that. It has to have a juniper component to it in order to be called gin but from the test batches that i've run and the gins that i've had across the country i'm really more of a a citrus forward kind of guy and it's my gin so (laughs) uh, if i'm going to taste it a couple of times a day in order to make sure that it's right i'm going to make stuff that i really like i think in time we'll end up coming out with other uh kinds of gin Uh, we're already talking about a lilac based gin for next year's lilac festival that's a fascinating idea and, uh, and so we've got a gin is actually one of the best spirits. There's tons of different directions you can go with it. Um, I'd like to see us have a couple of different kinds, but the citrus for one, it's really going to go better in some of those, um, you know, some of those lighter summer cocktails, which gin is great for anyway. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the bars that I've talked to have been very excited about seeing it because it's different than, you know, some of the gins, the, the mass market gins that you're used to. Sure. Yeah, because in in the small sips I've had, they can be exceedingly abrasive with the, you know, the juniper, you know, the piney taste. Yes, and it's hard to you can't really mask it. It is right. what it is. Right, and you you lose some of the subtlety of the other things. Right. Yeah, we're going for something that's a little bit more of a delicate uh, tongue tingler rather than a smack you in the face with a Christmas tree. <laughs> Um, some people like that which i appreciate having grown up growing christmas trees you know i kind of like that but you know it's not uh it's not everybody's taste yes yes um so you mentioned aging obviously the ones you're coming out with right away are not aged because these will be the first batches what are the plans obviously longer term plans for 
aging your whiskeys, um, you know, bourbons, or even other aged spirits, because that's becoming a big thing now. Yes. In the long run, we'll definitely have a whole lineup of aged products. The first one we're going to do is a bourbon, so it's a, a it's actually a weeded bourbon. So it's a predominantly it's predominantly a corn base, but then about twenty percent wheat, a little bit of rye, and uh, some malted barley in there. We're going to age those in thirty gallon uh, barrels for about two years, and that's really you know from everything I've looked at and all the products I've tasted, I really think that's going to be the sweet spot. We won't know exactly how long it'll taste or take until we taste it, but I'm pretty sure that. The barrels that are being made to our specifications will deliver the product we want in that 20 to 24 month time frame, and that we're gonna let. That's the first product we're gonna do from the age standpoint, and I think for the first year that's probably all we'll lay down. Um, by this time next year, I would imagine we'd start looking at maybe a a rye, an aged rye whiskey or an aged wheat whiskey, but we'll have to see where some of that comes in and somewhat how our crops do. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I can't actually just go to a catalog and order what we need. You know, we're committing with farmers for next season already saying, you know, I'm looking to have this many acres of this variety of corn or this variety of rye grown. To some degree, I'm then in the risk of how much does the land produce? Because if we have a great harvest, we'll have a lot of rye and a lot of things to do with it. Sure. If we have a poor harvest, it's, you're going to have to do something else. So it is... Um, you know, we are more involved in the farming community than I think a lot of people realize because this is not just off-the-shelf product. Right. You're, really, you're truly engaged with the farmers and you're really invested in how they do year to year. And its yes. crops are variable. Yes. You know, this year we're having a huge harvest of everything. Yes. It's been a perfect year for growing almost everything in our area. Except barley. Except for barley. All the malted, almost all the malted barley this year was ruined by uh, heavy rains. Really? Yep. So New York State is getting back into growing barley for all the craft breweries. Okay. And they had a terrible time this year. As people put in, I mean, I know farmers that put in 100 acres and none of it was salvageable. Wow. Because right at the very last minute, we ended up with several days of heavy rain. The product started to mold, and you certainly don't want to make beer with moldy barley. No, sensitive right at the wrong time. Exactly. Ugh. So all of that barley that they expected to sell for beer barley prices ended up going for feed. Ugh. And many of them barely covered the cost of the taxes on the land that year. Wow. So hopefully next year, you know, and it's all about the weather. You know, the crop was doing incredibly well up until its last two weeks in the field. And the absolute worst time for it to go bad. That's when you have the most investment. Yeah. And the same thing could happen next year or it could be a bumper crop. We'll have to see. Wow. So that's really interesting. Well, on the shipment side, I saw, I think it's on the Facebook page, your um, vintage red Ford pickup truck, (laughs) which it's near and dear to my heart. I've always loved the old school 40s, you know, red trucks. And this one had a huge wooden stake bed. It's yep. absolutely beautiful. Where'd you guys end up getting that? Uh, there actually was a farmer out in Syracuse that had it in a barn. Uh, it's an old uh, farm truck. It's got a max speed of about 35 miles an hour. Wow. But I'm pretty sure you could tow a house with it. Oh, yeah. I saw the big double axle in the back. Yeah. I mean, that thing, it's heavy duty. It's the biggest truck Ford made in 1947 other than a school bus. Wow. And actually, we, um, we bought it for two reasons. One, it certainly is eye-catching. Absolutely. But actually, we needed to haul um, the waste tanks and the other stuff that we take between the farms and, and bringing the stuff in. Um, granted, we could have done that with like a used U-Haul trailer. 
but uh, actually the higher bed makes it a little easier to get stuff on and off at our dock. Sure. And it certainly garners quite a bit of attention coming down the road. Absolutely. Not to mention, it's just cool as hell. It is. Saying that thing. I mean, it's really, it's one of those just striking things when you see like, oh, this is, this is somebody that's really, if you're, especially if you're using it. Yes. It's great to see something that in function and not just a showpiece. Yes. Well, and on nice days, if I have to make deliveries to the bar, I may very well take that. Oh, yeah. Because the nice part is nobody can steal it. They can't figure out how to turn it on. (laughs) As long as you don't have to go cranking it in the wintertime, I think you're going to be okay. It does have a hand crank. Does it really have a hand crank? It does, although that's the backup. It it does actually have an electric start. That's awesome. But but there's a hand crank in the toolbox to turn the thing over if the battery won't start. That's super cool. So so what's what's the launch date right now? The goal is to have product for sale by December 1st. That really is all going to depend on the federal licensing. We submitted, it takes seven licenses to make and sell whiskey. Just seven? Just seven. Just seven. Three from the feds, four from the state. Wow. Um, we're about 63 days in on the, uh, the, federal, the first federal one currently. As soon as that one comes back, the state license is actually sitting on my desk entirely ready to go, but I need to be able to put my federal license number on it before I submit to the state. I'm hoping we can get all of that wrapped up by December 1st, but it entirely depends on, uh, on the administrators and the government agents. And I mean, we'll be totally ready to operate here by October 1st. You know, we've, we've been meeting with our contractors every week. You know, we've got equipment on the way, but ultimately turning the machines on without those, those licenses makes me a felon and I'm not real interested in going to jail. Yeah. So, and I, after all that, I can't imagine why you uh, didn't want to stay in government. <laughs> Yeah. Seven licenses. <laughs> yeah, only seven. And the scary part is New York State's actually one of the best places to open a distillery. Wow. Um, we've actually got some incredible laws about eight years ago. Some pioneers in the industry got the state to make it easier. So, again, you only now need four state licenses in order to make and sell whiskey. Uh, I've got friends that are in places like Ohio and Maryland where it is almost impossible to be a legal distillery. Uh, there's no need to go into the details, but actually, we're very lucky here in New York State. Very cool. Yeah, because you know, on the on the food side, you know, the food truck people are dealing with licensing all the time. They're getting pushed around by the state. They're trying to serve a good product, and it's difficult. And a and, lot of it's just the government has trouble catching up with the trends. Absolutely. I, mean, I get asked how many million of gallons of alcohol we're going to make a year, and when I have to give it like seven points past the decimal they actually think something's wrong yeah people are envisioning jack daniel's facility right which which spills more in a day than i'll make in a year they're not real the the laws and the regulations really haven't caught up with the fact that people want to do this on a small scale i mean same with the food trucks all the laws are written for brick and mortar restaurants they're not really ready for a rolling food service on wheels no absolutely it's it's been a difficult road for them and I'm glad to hear it's a smooth-ish road for you. I was going to say, it's just a lot of paperwork. I mean, yeah. and luckily from my days working in government and from writing papers in college, you just sort of soldier on. You, know, you sit down, you figure out what the requirements are, you put together a three-ring binder, and um, you pray a little bit before you send it off. <laughs> Make sure you cross the T's, dot the I's, and have somebody look over it. You don't want to be the guy that has one field wrong. And that holds up the whole thing. I had a page returned to me because I didn't put the dash between the date on one page. Wow. That's amazing. Month, 
dash date. I left out the dash year, and I got the thing sent back to me so I could add the dash. <sighs> That's really Which something. Which I did and mailed back to them. Well, it's at least they didn't reject it. Yes. <laughs> They are at least nice enough to tell you what you did wrong. Well, that's nice. You don't have to go back and look through the whole thing. Yes. And, I, I mean, for it, it's never fun being as heavily regulated as we are. Of course. But to some degree, I do understand why they're doing it for public safety and to make sure they collect the taxes. And ultimately, it's just something that you, you come to accept as, as part of your business. So we'll, we'll soldier on. Yeah, which is really all you can do, and you get it done, and then eventually you get to serve the people of Rochester a cool product. Yes. Um, so we're standing in a partially built building right now. That's your other big project, obviously. Yes. Um, as a novice contractor? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've got licensed contractors that are doing all of the specific jobs. You know, here in the city of Rochester, you have to have a licensed plumber, a licensed sure. electrician. So our crews have been great. You know, they've been able to lead us on to some of the, you know, the bigger things of what we should do, what we shouldn't do. But we're acting as our own general contractor, and that definitely uh, has been a learning experience. I would definitely say so, because, I mean, it's, this is a big project. It's not mm -hmm. a bathroom. It's a, what did you say, a 5,000 square 5, foot? 5,000 square feet in a 100-year-old building where almost nothing is where it should be. <laughs> the, uh, it's, been, it's interesting. The architectural plans say one thing, and then you go to build the wall, and it turns out, oh... Well, all those posts are 16 feet apart, but <laughs> this one post is 17 feet apart. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a lot of improvising along the way as well. Well, that's good, and it really does seem to be coming along at this point. Yep. The walls are up. The, uh, all the electric's in. All the plumbing is in. Uh, we're going to start painting here in a couple of days. The front door goes in at the end of the week, so it'll be nice to have a front door. We won't have to sneak everybody in the back. <laughs> Climbing up onto the loading dock like I did. Hey, yeah. <laughs> it's a way in. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so equipment-wise, what's, what's your time frame on that? The equipment's all pretty much done. The still's coming from Vancouver. The mash ton and the rest of the tanks were made at a company down in Missouri. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the still is actually on a truck right now, but it's coming with another uh, shipment to New England, and that shipment has been held up. So it'll be another probably two weeks before we get that. And then uh, our mash ton and the other equipment will come just as soon as we're ready to schedule it. I do want our crews to get just a little bit farther in the work we're doing in here. We're, we're putting up some of the last pieces of, uh, of drywall in the back. And I want to make sure we get all of that stuff in and spackled because it, it makes a mess. And, you know, you've got these nice, shiny stainless steel tanks. You really don't want to be filling them with drywall dust. Yeah, right and especially with, you know, yeah, for quality and not only, I mean, it's, going to be a pretty thing for tours yes everybody wants to see a pretty shiny still they don't yes. want something that's beat up yeah yeah actually the still is going to stay in crates until we're done building everything i would else hope out. so uh but i mean i think we'll have everything here in the next two weeks oh that's very max. cool that's got to be pretty exciting yeah yeah i mean this is really the uh this is the go time for us awesome so, so i also have been following the design of your the logo on mm -hmm. facebook your bottle labels and I've been just really impressed by the design. It really fell in with what I like design-wise. Mm -hmm. It was a good cross between, you know, the vintage and the modern, which is basically what you're doing here, too. Yes. And actually, that's a great way to put it. Um, I may even steal that tagline <laughs> because, you know, we've got sort of an interesting thing. The brand is a, an older classic brand. You know, it's built around the time that my grandfather ran a button factory here in Rochester. 
but at the same time, I'm a very young distillery owner. I'm 26 years old. You know that we have a lot of modern techniques we want to employ, you know, employ with the production. So how do you bridge that gap between classic and modern? And uh, we're, we're working with a design firm down in Bushnell's Basin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clark CSM is run by a great guy, and he's got a great team of designers. And they've really done a good job of translating my very, very bad sketches um, <laughs> and rough ideas. And I'm kind of thinking about this into some really beautiful stuff. And then what was also really nice is that we... I really wanted this project to be very collaborative. We wanted to get feedback from the community. And you get six or 700 people looking at a, a design like that, and they point things out that you would never notice. Of course. And You're be- too close. Right. Yeah, you can't, sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees, and people, as soon as they say it, you go, oh, yeah, that good point. Um, yeah. So we've gotten some great feedback through our Facebook page and through our Twitter and I think people like being involved. I mean, we certainly appreciate the help. They've, you know, been in, our, all our fans have been instrumental in creating what we've got. And, you know, and we couldn't be more thankful. So also, I guess the other thing, what, what do you find, you know, as a, I guess, I don't know, are you a connoisseur of craft spirits at this point? Um, I would say I appreciate craft spirits. You appreciate them. I mean, I've got quite a whiskey library. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about the whiskey cabinet that's going into the uh, office there. And, oh, sure. Uh, there's 12 crates of whiskey in my liquor, in my storage unit, and another, like, six in my basement. So those are all getting moved here. And you're constantly, you know looking for different you know every time i travel i end up bringing bottles back from little distilleries that you can't get up here in rochester oh sure and a lot of that's for research purposes absolutely (laughs) very serious research purposes but uh but it also makes for a lot of fun and then um and just trying even the same cocktail with different kinds of whiskey in it or different kinds of i mean there's even craft vermouth now I've heard that. Yeah. So even and American even. Yeah. Actually, there's a guy in New York City that makes vermouth. That's that's awesome. Yes. Especially yeah nowadays with the the craft cocktail scene becoming more and more popular, and even here in Rochester with you know places like the Revelry, places like Cure. Yep. um, Places like Good Luck. It's um you know a a great time for somebody to be coming out with a product like yours. Yeah. And actually, most of the guys you mentioned have given us great feedback. Um, we've gotten a very warm reception from all of the craft cocktail bars we've talked to. And a lot of them, you know, the owners have offered to pitch in in any way they can. And that's sort of an interesting thing, too. You know, you don't usually get, you know, restaurant owners are incredibly busy people. Um, it's, a, you know, it's a long day. There's a lot of details. And to have one of them say, you know, if you need help painting, putting the still together, pushing a broom, just give me a call. You know, we want to be a part of this. That actually sort of surprised me. I guess I was not expecting that level of um, love. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just been absolutely fantastic. And over the last six months as we've been, or four months, I guess, as I've been putting this all together, um, I've met a lot of interesting people, and we're not even open yet. So I think it's going to be a very wild ride these next couple of years. I can only imagine. I mean, the the local food scene here, you know, with people getting more engaged with the local foods, local farms. And this is the logical next stop. Yes. You know, for these for these high-end cocktail places, like those places in like Cheshire and other places like that, to be engaging with local manufacturers of spirits have to be 
just has to be really exciting for them. Well, and a lot of them I've talked to have great ideas. You know, they have a product in mind that they'd like to see made that isn't currently. And when we get our, and I've told most of them, when we get our feet under us and are, you know, a little bit more stable, because obviously anytime you're starting a new business, it's a, it's a very big risk. But I'm hoping by next summer we might even be able to do some collaborations with them. You know, because I don't claim to know everything about every style of spirit. And, you know, there's guys that have specific liqueurs or specific styles of gin that they'd really like to see made. But who do you call to make a, a craft spirit for you? <laughs> right, especially in a small batch when it's experimental. Exactly. So, yeah, and the nice part about our still, you know, a 300-gallon still is big enough that if you make it, you end up with a good amount of product. But not so much that if it goes wrong, you're out. I mean, you're out a few thousand dollars, but not an astronomical sum. Right. You're not ruined. Right. And if they wanted to invest in something, they're not ruined by helping you make a product. Exactly. And I'm hoping in time, actually, that we will end up with a 30-gallon test still, which would really make it so that we can just sort of try whatever we like. Yeah. Um, that's another, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm firmly convinced that no matter how much money you have, you will spend all of it trying to build a distillery. <laughs> and that's just because there's just always things coming up. Oh, sure. And so in order to make sure we did everything we wanted to do, we did have to cut pretty deep on some of the uh, the nice pieces of equipment that we wanted to have, the extras, if you will. Right. You know, a 30-gallon test still is a nice extra. And in the end, it pays for itself in the savings you have off of that, you know, off of crazy ideas. But right now, it just wasn't a feasible option. But yeah. again, I'm hoping by next summer, we sort of have our feet under us. And a lot of it, I mean, it just depends on how much whiskey people buy. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, I can't really tell, you know, I can't really tell you how much vodka, gin, or unaged corn whiskey Rochester is interested in. I have an idea. I hope I'm not off by much. <laughs> but, and I've done a lot of research on the idea and gotten a lot of different people's input on it. But in the end, it's going to come down to the consumers. You know, is the product everything that we expect it to be? Do they like the taste? Do we get the support from the liquor stores that we're looking for? Right. Are you hitting it the right time? Yeah. It seems to be the right time. I mean, to my eyes, it seems like the perfect time. It's really engaging with everything all at the right time. But you're right. You never know until the product's on the market. Right. It's going to be up to the consumers, you know, whether they like our products and I mean, the test batches have gone well, but that, um, you know, it, it all depends when we get the final product out on the shelves. So I guess the other question is, now, since you're a, an amateur connoisseur, what, what are your favorite products? What are you aspiring to be? I mean, there's a lot of good whiskeys out there. There's a lot of good vodkas. Actually, um, Beacon Skiff uh, out near Syracuse does an apple vodka that I just think is fantastic. I really like that. Feisty Spirits out in Denver makes a blue corn whiskey that I absolutely love. Um, dry Fly Distilling, which is actually where I did my master distilling work, ages some of their wheat whiskey in port barrels. Interesting. And I have a half bottle of that, and no, you can't have that. <laughs> um, because that one I really am saving for when we get to the point where we can do a similar thing. It's probably the best thing I've ever tasted. It's a, um, it's a really fascinating idea. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it, it melds a lot of, I mean, I love a good port and I love a good whiskey. And to, a, to put the two together and get them to meld just right, because that's the other thing about this. It's not just slapping some whiskey in some barrel and see what happens. Right. You really have to get those two flavor components to shake hands in a pretty agreeable manner 
or it's just a train wreck in your mouth. Sure. Um, so those are some of my favorites. Downslope Distilling, again out of Denver, makes uh, a great rum uh, on some of the most interesting looking converted 55 gallon drums I have ever seen. The, those guys are true artists for what they make. So I'm, I'm just hoping that our products live up to uh, live up to the rest of the industry. Yeah. So I've been asking everybody, you know, it's uh, a little bit different since you're not in the food side, but I always like to ask people, where do you like to go to eat in Rochester? I mean, we're a food-based website mostly. <laughs> um, I mean, some of the places I've been in, I mean, the other nice benefit of this job is you end up eating out a lot. Yeah, uh-huh. um, absolutely. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, tap and Table over in Cornhill Landing mm. has been a, a consistent favorite the last few months. Um, Lentos, Good Luck. Um, I've done drinks at Revelry with a number of my friends. Uh, there's been a couple of places on Park Ave. Um, you know, so I mean, I, I do get around, if you will. Um, Signatures in Penfield um, has a good Sunday brunch. So oh, nice. I like that place. But um, I would have to say that right now, uh, I, I guess I might not be as adventurous maybe as I should be just because we're so busy with the build-out. Of course. Um, well, it must lead you to get takeout, though. Uh, it, you actually order a lot of pizza. <laughs> you, need ah, some, pizza. you need something that people are willing to deliver, and there is a pizza shop just down Main Street that, uh, that delivers to oh, there our you go. address. Nice. Um, Two Vine actually was another one that I uh, was at just a couple. Actually, a friend of mine took me there for my birthday. They probably don't deliver, though. No, no. I, have, I actually need to find more restaurants that deliver because you're sort of captive to the distillery. It takes 14 hours to do a vodka run. Really? And you really can't leave the still alone. That's how accidents happen. You Interesting. can't leave the equipment unattended. I mean, you can go to the bathroom, certainly, but that's right. about as long as you should leave it um, because it only takes about, there have, you know, it only takes about four minutes to have a pretty major issue. So we keep a pretty close eye on our equipment, but that also means I kind of am stuck here. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to find more restaurants that will, are willing to deliver. Well, and especially you want to you know find places that suit your product as well. Yes. Is yes. it's a it's a great way to do marketing and also get some great food at the same time. It is well, and I mean, also I want to support the folks that are going to support us. I mean, all the people I've named so far, I've had conversations with their owners, and we've had good discussions, and they want to taste the product when it comes out. And the types of people that are going to support my business are also the people that are going to get mine. Plus, luckily, all those guys have great food, so. Yeah, it kind of helps their case a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) you can't go wrong. So as a relatively young guy like myself, um, this is another interesting question, not drinking related, but what do you like to cook? I mean, obviously you're too busy right now to cook. Do you cook at all or are you? I do actually. My roommates and I have an agreement. I cook once a week. Um, I generally grill out um, is my big thing. Um, If I was actually cooking... Uh, chicken fettuccine alfredo always goes well, or maybe a, like salmon with uh, some couscous. Nice. Um, I don't get. I don't think my cooking gets terribly adventurous. I usually leave that to the beverages. Um, every once in a while, I'll go digging through my liquor cabinet in my fridge and being like, "I have apple juice, vermouth, and seventeen different kinds of whiskey. <laughs> this should be interesting." Sounds like a mixologist chopped. Uh, it sort of is, and some of them, uh, some of them work out, and some of them don't, and uh, you'll end up playing with things, and it's just sort of an experimentation. But yeah, yeah. from a, a cooking perspective, I do keep it pretty simple. Yeah, uh, as long as you can do the basics right, and then you contribute the other way, people are yes. happy to have you at dinner parties. Yeah, I haven't had too many complaints. Um, we make an 
We have an apple pie moonshine recipe that involves some of the test batches of our unaged corn whiskey. And for some reason, it's always gone about halfway through the night. And some I reason. get asked, you know, if I'm going to bring... I, when I get invited to different things, I'm told I'm supposed to bring that. So it's like a dish to pass or Jason... How about some more of that apple pie moonshine? <laughs> so, uh, so that seems to be a favorite from people, and that's also been nice because we've gotten I've been tweaking the recipe through different batches. You know, a little bit more of this, a little bit less of that, and really trying to hone in on exactly what people like. Yeah, so, and people are happy to be guinea pigs. Yes, yeah, I've gotten a lot of offers for taste testers. That that does seem like a job we'd be able to fill. It's very generous of them. <laughs> it is. People oh. are willing to give for the good of the cause. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Well, this is this has been really interesting, and it's a, just a very exciting development for Rochester, you know, the food and cocktail scene, to see somebody, you know, also see somebody relatively young do something really interesting, something that's going to hopefully benefit the community, and you know, really push this uh, forward in Rochester a little yep. bit. So, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> it was um, it was a pleasure talking to you, and uh, I look forward to coming on by as things progress. Can't wait to have you. Thanks, man. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to check in after the podcast. Um, I had a really great time talking with Jason. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, please leave a review on iTunes, uh, comment on the website, or if you're reading the reviews or the other stuff on the website, you know, leave a comment or send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. And I really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, hope to uh, have you guys back next week. Talk to you later.